Are you ready to meet another trader today? The traders that we're exploring have one thing in common. Any one of them can end up destroying our relationship with God, our relationships with other people, and even has the potential to destroy our very lives. Today we want to explore the deadly attitude of the heart known as envy. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, envy is the painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. In other words, envy is an emotional craving. The craving could be for another person's possessions or physical qualities or looks or mental capabilities or finances or professional position or personal success or individual achievements or even God-given talents. It can be a craving for really anything. The simple definition of envy, wanting for yourself what belongs to someone else. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Christians living in Asia Minor, included a list of what he called the acts of the sinful flesh. He said, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you notice that in this long list there are two words that have somewhat similar meanings, envy and jealousy? In English, we sometimes use these words interchangeably, although their meanings are distinctly different. And then there is a third word in the Bible that is closely related to both envy and jealousy. It's actually included in the Ten Commandments, the word covet. So what distinguishes each of these three words from the others? Again, envy is a painful awareness that I lack something that another person possesses and that I have a craving to possess for myself. Jealousy, on the other hand, is a fear of losing something that I already possess. So, envy and jealousy are essentially two sides of the same emotional coin. Now, coveting is a stronger desire that actually wants to acquire what someone else possesses. So, envy is an emotion that can lead to this stronger emotion of coveting, which can lead to actions to get what belongs to someone else, actions like theft or embezzlement or fraud. These kinds of actions all serious, all have a starting point, and that starting point is envy. Envy is the result of a dissatisfied heart. I should also mention that jealousy can be either a positive or a negative. 
Did you know that the Bible talks about godly jealousy? When the Lord God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai on those two tablets of stone, the Lord summed up the first commandment when he told Moses this, Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So what does it mean that our God is a jealous God? Well, he demands exclusive honor and glory and obedience from us. We are to worship him and him only. He will not share his glory with another. We also see godly jealousy showing up in the New Testament. In his second letter to the Christians living in Corinth, the Apostle Paul addressed the fact that some of the people in the church were strained from following Christ and began following false teachers. Paul wrote, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. So there is a thing as godly jealousy. But when it comes to envy, the Bible never speaks about envy in a good light. It is always viewed as a deadly attitude of the heart. There are many examples of envy in the Bible. In this episode, we'll consider a half dozen of them. And in all of the examples, we'll see that envy completely destroyed relationships. In some cases, it involved one's relationship with God. In another cases, it involved one's relationship with other people, especially members of one's own family. Our first example of envy involves someone we might overlook, Satan, a.k.a. the devil. Do you recall in our first episode of Traitors, when we heard from the Apostle Paul that Satan was the originator of sinful pride? Well, he's also the originator of envy. Just listen to this poetic description from the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah directed this message to the king of Babylon, but I believe it has a double meaning, a message also about Satan. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Here Satan is referred to as Morning Star, Son of the Dawn. The Septuagint Bible, which is a Greek translation of many of the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, translated this word as Lucifer which means light-bearer. As God's mouthpiece, Isaiah describes Satan as envious of the Most High. Most High, or God Most High, is a title for the God of creation, Elohim Elyon. God, through Isaiah, also tells us that Satan wanted to ascend to God's throne. He wanted to become like the Most High. Satan wanted for himself what belonged exclusively to God. The prophet Ezekiel has even more to say about Satan in a prophecy that was also directed at the king of Tyre. Listen to a few selected verses of poetry from Ezekiel chapter 28. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, 
You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. The pride of Satan led him to become envious of the God who created him. He started out perfect in both wisdom and beauty. He was a guardian cherub in the Garden of Eden. But then wickedness was found in him. His heart became proud, and his wisdom was corrupted. His pride led to envy, which led to a broken relationship between God and Satan, a broken relationship that will last forever. Our second example of envy in the Bible occurred in the life of the world's first brothers, Cain and Abel. The book of Genesis chapter 4 provides the details of what happened. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Two brothers, two offerings to the Lord God. Abel's offering was accepted by God and Cain's offering was not. This resulted in Cain becoming resentful, envious that the Lord accepted Abel's offerings and not his. And then he became angry. And from what the Lord God said to Cain, we get a sense that there was something in Cain's heart and life that did not please God. Sin was crouching at his door. Now, we learn from two other places in the Bible about Cain's heart. In the book of Hebrews, we learn, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Abel's offering was given to the Lord out of faith. By contrast, Cain's was given out of an absence of faith. That contrast becomes crystal clear in the Apostle John's first letter. He wrote, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain was resentful and envious that his offering wasn't accepted by God. 
He was angry with God, which was evidence of the giving of his offering was made out of self-righteousness and not faith. In fact, Cain's heart belonged to the evil one. The sin that was crouching at Cain's door pounced into action when Cain then murdered his brother Abel. Envy led to anger and then to murder. If you want to learn more about Cain and Abel, check out the first episode in my podcast series, True Crimes Bible Edition, or order my latest book, True Crimes of the Bible. You can get a copy of the book at timeofgrace.org. Another example of the deadly consequences of envy involved two other brothers, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were the twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah, and the grandsons of Abraham and Sarah. Now, even before they were born, God had told Rebekah that there would be a rivalry between her twins. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. The older son was Esau and the brothers weren't anything alike. Esau was Isaac's favorite son. He was an outdoorsman, a hunter. Jacob was a mama's boy who liked to stay home. Envy showed up in both of their lives because Jacob and Esau wanted what the other had. Jacob was envious of the special blessing that Esau received from being the firstborn, namely a double portion of the inheritance. Jacob saw an opportunity one day when Esau came home hungry from a hunting trip. In exchange for a bowl of soup that Jacob was cooking, uh, Jacob demanded his brother's rights as the firstborn son. And foolish Esau agreed to the deal, not realizing what this would mean. When Isaac was old and nearly blind, Jacob and his mother Rebekah hatched an elaborate scheme to get the firstborn blessing too. Jacob deceived his father into thinking that he was Esau, and so received the blessing that was rightfully Esau's. When Esau discovered what Jacob and his mother had done, he cried foul and asked Isaac to give him a blessing too. Isaac would bless Esau but it would pale by comparison to the blessing that he gave to Jacob. In envy of Jacob's blessing, Esau held a grudge and planned to kill Jacob. When Rebekah heard of Esau's plan, she sent Jacob away to live with her brother Laban. She would never see her favorite son again. Jacob's envy of Esau's firstborn status led him to plot a double deception. That deception led Esau to become envious of the blessing he should have rightly received from his father. Esau's resentment then led to a plan to murder his brother, which resulted in the breakup of their family. We ought never underestimate what envy can do. Envy has the potential to destroy families. Envy would actually impact Jacob's entire life. Because of his two sister wives, Rachel and Leah. They were envious of each other. It all started with Jacob's uncle Laban deceiving Jacob. Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel and offered to work for Laban for seven years in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. 
After the seven years were completed, Jacob asked to be married to Rachel. On their wedding night, Laban sent the older sister Leah into Jacob's tent. The next morning, Jacob woke up with a woman he didn't plan to marry. He accused Laban of deception. Laban's response was that it was not their custom to marry a younger daughter before the older daughter was married. A week later, Jacob married Rachel after agreeing to work another seven years for Laban. Envy showed up in Leah's heart because she didn't have the kind of beauty that Rachel had, plus the fact that Jacob loved Rachel much more than he loved Leah. In fact, the Bible says that Leah wasn't loved at all. So to bring some love into her life, the Lord God blessed Leah with the ability to have children, many children. She had six sons and a daughter. Envy showed up in Rachel's heart because for years she didn't have any children. She saw her sister Leah have one child after another. In frustration, she lashed out at Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Billa, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and I too can build a family through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah, as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. Rachel's envy led to a competition with her sister Leah. Leah then joined the competition and gave her servant Zilpah to Jacob as a wife. And Zilpah gave birth to two more sons. Now God eventually blessed Rachel with children, two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, who were the youngest two sons of Jacob. Rachel, however, did not get to enjoy her youngest son because she died in childbirth. Rachel and Leah lived their entire life suffering from the traitorous effects of envy. Our next example of envy ruining a relationship involved King Saul and David. It all started with Saul turning away from and not obeying the Lord God. Because of Saul's actions, the Lord rejected Saul as king and removed his spirit from Saul. This left Saul with a troubled heart and soul. His servants suggested that the king find someone who could play the lyre to soothe his troubled spirit. That person was David. Before long, David served King Saul on a full-time basis, and he became one of Saul's armor-bearers. The king really liked David very, very much, until David killed Goliath. Then everything changed. Here's what happened. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. 
They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Saul was envious of David. Envy began to eat away at Saul's heart and soul. Not only did Saul keep an eye on David, he tried multiple times to kill him himself or to have him killed at the hands of the Philistines. The Lord God did bless David, though, with one military victory after another, which just added to Saul's envious heart and his desire to kill David. David actually had a flea for his life. He was on the run as a fugitive for as long as Saul remained king. Saul's envy led him to try to end David's life. We cannot underestimate the threat posed by envy. It can and did lead to murder. For our last example, we turn to the four New Testament Gospels that record the three-year ministry of Jesus. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was challenged by the Jewish religious leaders because he was a threat to their position and their power. They accused Jesus of working on the Sabbath because his disciples grabbed a handful of grain in a field. They accused him of breaking the Sabbath because he healed the man. They accused him of performing miracles by the power of the prince of demons. They tried on numerous occasions to trap him into saying something that they could accuse him of doing wrong. But there was one event that really ratcheted up the religious leader's hostility toward Jesus. It was near the end of Jesus' ministry when he raised Lazarus from the dead. That event lit the fuse of envy in the religious leader's hearts. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. These religious leaders were envious of the number of people who chose to follow Jesus instead of following them. Fast forward to Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. Let's just listen in on Pilate's perception of why Jesus was arrested and brought to him for trial. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. The religious leaders were concerned that the whole nation would follow Jesus. Their hearts were filled with envy. And once again, what did envy lead to? It led to them wanting to put Jesus to death, which they did. But that was actually a good thing. Jesus' death on the cross meant that our sins of envy and every other kind of wrong that we have ever committed were punished so that we would never have to face God's righteous judgment. And not just you and me. 
But Jesus endured the punishment for the sins of all people. What the Jewish leaders intended for harm turned out for our good. The Bible paints a striking picture of the disastrous effects of envy. It often shows up in our lives in what's known as the comparison trap, where we compare ourselves to others, which can certainly lead to envy. So the Apostle Peter encourages us to put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. The Apostle Paul focuses our attention on the good and positive blessings that we have as a follower of Jesus. He wrote to the Galatians, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Those are certainly words to live by. Traitors. They're the attitudes that can betray our relationship with our God, with others, and with ourselves. In our next episode, we'll explore the traitor known as wrath, or if you prefer, rage or anger. If you have any questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and God bless.